Love Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, and tonight we'll, we will be joined by Cody. Adam is not available tonight. We have a decent amount to talk about. Nothing decent about the offense. It's been great. Ever since it's hit a lull, it has hit a high. They are scoring runs left and right, and it's really nice to see. But first, uh, let's welcome in Cody to the show. How are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh wasn't able to watch today's game, but uh, saw a few highlights. And, I mean, uh, five straight wins. I can't complain too much about it. I know they're playing some bottom feeder uh, AL Central teams, but, you know, you play your schedule and you just take care of business. I mean, it's better than losing to those teams like they did the Reds. Yeah, absolutely. You want to take care of business when you can. Uh, Obviously, the Twins are really struggling right now. They've lost quite a few games lately. And the Tigers came in. They won their last two, but they were on like a 10-game losing streak. So they've had their struggles as well. They've also been very injured. I I saw the lineup today for the Tigers, and a lot of the guys in the lineup were essentially AAA players, a lot of call-ups. There was no Miguel Cabrera. There was no Martinez. Nick Castellanos was in the lineup. Former Cub Jamer Candelario was in the lineup. But, yeah, a lot of guys that – you know, our young rookies don't have a lot of MLB experience. Uh, so it was definitely something good to see that the Cubs were able to take advantage, though it was a close game. We'll get back to the Tiger series in a little bit. Let's just kind of go talk about the twin series and the offense in general. The offense has scored a lot, uh, like I just said. If you look at that twin series alone, they scored double digits in every single game. 10 in the first game, which I was at, 14 in the second game, and then 11 in the finale. And then the day before that, before the opener against the Twins, they scored 11 runs against the Dodgers. They'd also scored nine runs against the Dodgers in their first win in that series, and then scored five in the second loss of that series. So really going back to a week ago tonight, the Cubs have been scoring a lot of runs. Now, the question is, how much of the Chili Davis talk helped this? Was it a big factor? Was it just kind of a coincidence? Or was it just kind of a little bit of a help? Cody, what do you think? Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like his effect is showing. It's been showing all year. I mean, we've talked about how their, their, the power has been down. But you got to believe I, I I don't know how many strikeouts this team had around this time last year, but I just based off the eye, just off the eye of watching games, I I would think that they have their strikeout number as a team is much lower than last year, um, and I know we've gone through and talked about you know hitting and uh, or situational hitting, um, and they've had their moments where it's been bad, but you can't expect it to be perfect. Uh, uh, in 162 games, but for the most part, we've seen them be able to manufacture runs 
And, I mean, that's why they're, what, 12 games above 500, despite the fact that they're not hitting a lot of home runs. But after that talk, I mean, whatever he said, I mean, I feel like it, it played a part in them starting to score runs. But I also feel like, you know, this this weekend at Wrigley, I mean, it was hot and the wind was yep. blowing out all three days. Like, that definitely played a part. I'm I'm sure some of those balls that went out would have stayed in if the wind wasn't blowing out. That's just well, how Edison it is. Well, Russell really Grand year. Slam definitely would have stayed in if the wind wasn't blowing out because, you know, I was in the bleachers when that happened, and I could tell when he hit it, it looked like it was just going straight up, but the wind just kept carrying it. A few of those other home runs, yeah. they were absolute rockets, but, yeah, the, the Addison Russell home run was definitely, to your point, uh, wind-aided. Right. So, I mean, like I said, I think it's a little bit of both. Chili Davis has definitely helped the young players um, take a step in their development as as hitters because I don't know about you, but over the last, you know, two, three years, it just seems like these guys, uh, besides, you know, Bryant and Contreras and a few others maybe, a lot of them were kind of an – wouldn't say all or nothing, but, um, you know, it was, it was kind of hard to rely on some of them, but they always seem to be able to come through in big moments, which is why they've been able to win as many games as they've had over the last three years. So I think with Chili Davis, he's just helping their development uh, overall. I think that they've been able to, you know, cut down on their strikeouts and uh, be able to manufacture runs a lot better. Um, you know, it obviously could be better, but I mean, they lead the league in on base percentage and run differ run differential and almost every other offensive category. So I, I think that he definitely plays a part, but mainly just in their de, in helping their development as as players as they get older. Yeah, you know, you were talking about K rate a second ago. I uh, just kind of throwing this out there. Right now in 2018, so far, the Cubs are 21st in K-rate, 21.2. Last year, through the, second, uh, through the first half, through the first half of last year, they were 12th at 22%. So it's not a drastic drop in strikeouts, but so far this year, there is a drop because it's July the first half is going to be over pretty soon. So you could pretty much compare the first half of last year and the first half of this year. Strikeouts are definitely down. Um, not by a whole lot, but a little. They, they are down. Chili Davis is known for grooming guys to strike out less. And we have talked about kind of the quote-unquote lack of power. I mean, they are still hitting you know, some home runs, they're, they're not leading the league by any means in home runs this year. I mean, if you look at it, they're 19th right now. They've hit 90. So it's not at the very bottom. It's not at the top either. They're about middle of the road where last right. year in the first half, it was a little different. They were um, 12th with 117. So, I mean, the Cubs haven't yeah. played as many games as the first half last year, but you kind of see the difference here. What was really nice about the Twins series, outside the first game, they had four home runs. Look, I, I love home runs. Home runs are great, but isn't it also great just watching their approach and just putting the bat on the ball? I mean, they singled 
the Twins to death in the second game. They hit, what, 17 singles that game? Just seeing them <laughs> just do that and keep the line moving, going the opposite way, putting the bat on the ball, it's, it's nice to see. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch that game. I was at a wedding that day. Um, but the their approach, it's very, very much been clear that they – that they're trying to, especially, you know, guys like Contreras, I see, and, and, and Javi Baez, and, um, and Jason Hayward, too. Um, they, those guys, they're, they go the opposite way a lot. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know if that affects their power as much. Definitely not Baez, because he can hit the ball hard anywhere. Um, yeah. Maybe Contreras, because it seems like Contreras is, only pulls his home runs or – Sometimes he'll hit one to deep center, but Schwarber too. Um, he could go the other way with power. Oh yeah, and Schwar and Schwarber. My my mistake on forgetting him, but um, yeah, I like I said or like you said, the the approach for sure. You, when you see guys going the opposite way, you hear it on broadcasts all the time, and and whether you know it's the home broadcast or if it's the the national broadcast, all all of them all of them almost always say that when they, when players are going the opposite way, that's when you know they're locked in. So, I mean, I think that's a big part of why Jason Hayward has been so good since mid-May. I agree. He's, you know, he, he, he's, he's still pulling the ball, but it, it, obviously we're not seeing him pull the ball on the ground to second base or popping out to second base. He's hitting the ball all over the park. And, and that's the Jason Hayward that we were all hoping for, you know, two years ago. And, you know, better late than never. I mean, the Cubs have been good when he's good or bad now, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, he's he's definitely showing that, you know, that hot stretch in May wasn't a fluke or anything, and he's been keeping it up. I was looking at the, his numbers the other day on Fangraphs, and, you know, since like May 18th, so when, once he came once he came off the DL, he's, he's, he's batting over 300 still, yeah. His on base and slugging is, you know, decent for a guy that what the Cubs are asking him for asking him to do. I mean, I I honestly don't know where the Cubs would be if they didn't have Hayward, especially in these these games that we've seen where they go cold because it seems like he's one of the few guys who doesn't go cold. So, um, you know, I that's just one guy. Um, but overall, I think the approach definitely when those guys are going the opposite way, it's it's you can tell that those guys are locked in. And, you know, I, to me, I, you just didn't feel like you saw that a lot last year. And, and maybe not even in 2016, but, you know, 2016, I feel like when you look at those young players, um, you know, they, they were all like maybe a year in and, you know, pitchers hadn't completely figured out how to get them out yet. And then I feel like what they, they all kind of hit that wall last year and pitchers figured out how to, to pitch them. And now that they're all kind of taking that step forward and, you know, they know what's coming at them, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, you were talking about Jason Hayward's approach, and I think that is something that a lot of people would agree with, including myself. When you see left-handed batters go the other way, I mean, that's usually a pretty good sign. And you've seen so many of his big hits come the other way. I mean, today he hit an RBI double down – left field line. I mean, stuck the bat out. The pitch was away. They were pitching him away, away, away. He was able to catch up and slap it the other way. And if you look at kind of his spray percentage, I'm on fan graphs right now. So far this year, um, his opposite field is 24.4%. 
Uh, all of 2016, it was 22.7%. And all of last year, it was 19.8%. He was pulling the ball 46.3% last year. That, I believe, looking at all this in the majors, was his highest pull percentage in the majors last year. So you're seeing it yeah. a bit more spread out. You know, Obviously, the sample sizes are smaller. We're looking at full seasons versus half seasons. But you know, there, there's clearly a difference being made here with Jason Hayward. And if you're into WRC+, right now he's at a 108. Last year all year, he was an 88. In 2016, he was 71. That's a difference. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, league average for RC Plus is, um, well, 100. So, you know, if you're above 100 at that stat, I mean, you're definitely being a productive player. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we're talking about him going the opposite field. The, the guy also, I mean, his strikeout rate's below 10% too. So, like, he, he's a guy that makes sense that Joe Madden's putting him at the second, in the two-hole right now. Um, because he doesn't strike out. He's been getting clutch hits. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, he gets on base on a regular basis, it seems like, now as well. You know, he's uh, – it makes – like I said, it makes sense that he's in the two-hole. Um, and it, it helps for when Bryant comes back too, which is even more crazy. The Cubs have scored double-digit runs, like, over the weekend. I know the win play factor, like I said, but, you know, Chris Bryant was in the lineup, and the Cubs still – did just fine offensively. And so uh, I'm kind of went off subject there, but um, yeah, I mean, the Hayward, he's just doing it all. It seems like, and I think it's just kind of rubbing off on everyone else. It seems like uh, the approach at least. Yeah. If there's other stats to look at for Jason Hayward that are noteworthy, you look at the soft, medium, hard contact percentage. Now I don't have the exact, metrics on like what classifies as hard um it's based on baseball info solutions which is posted on fan graphs so you know i i would assume it's it's pretty reliable because uh, this year he's uh 34.3 percent hard contact he was 25.5 last year and 26.4 in 2016 he was 27 percent soft in 2016 and this year 21.6. So you're seeing the shifting in hard hit balls and soft hit balls. And in addition to that, in addition to that, you look at his batting average of balls in play so far, he's 306 mm-hmm. this year. Last year he was 284. In 2016, he was 266. So not a lot of batted balls were resulting in hits. But, you know, they weren't hit very hard. They were hit right at people. So the harder he's hitting the ball, the higher chances that they're going to result in the hit. And you're seeing that result in the batting average of balls and play numbers. Yep. Yeah, I mean, all the numbers are right now is, is clearly showing that he has kind of turned the corner. And he's a guy that you that you root for, I feel like. I mean, I know it was frustrating the last two years with him considering the huge contract he has and, you know, you can only do so much on defense, but it was, it it got to a point, especially in 2016, where it was like, you knew he was an automatic out last year. He kind of, he kind of, he had his moments and you, by the end of the year, you're still like, man, 
I don't want him playing or I don't want him to be starting, but you need his defense. You don't, you don't know what you do. All right. You put him at the very bottom of the order. Okay. But now it's like, man, anything this guy can give you just makes the Cubs so much more dangerous. You know, uh, you got to believe that Brian and Rizzo are going to be the all-star players in the second half that you, that you know, they can be. I mean, I know Rizzo has almost like 60 RBIs, but, He's been a very streaky player all season. I mean, yeah, he had, had a pretty hot. He had a he had a pretty hot May, and you know, he, June was here and there. I know he's he ever since his cold streak on that road trip, he's been much better since they got back to Wrigley. But like, he hasn't just been consistent like we're used to saying. And I know before Bryant went on the DL, he was kind of slumping as well. And you can blame the shoulder on that or not. And you wonder if the Cubs should have. Uh, put him on the DL earlier, um, but I I gotta believe in the second half those guys are going to you know be what we're accustomed to seeing, um, and and to go with Hayward and then you got Albert Amora who's leading the league in batting average, and uh, Schwarber leads the team in home runs and he's turned the corner from his bad year last year, um. Yeah, I hadn't even mentioned Javier Baez, who you could argue is an MVP candidate right now. So this team, as they won five in a row, they definitely look like they've, uh, you know, as of at least the last five days, are kind of, you know, getting back into that form. You know, last week we were talking about how, oh, they slumped around this time last year and in 2016. But I, I just don't get that feeling. Even even after getting swept by the Reds, I just thought it was a bad series. I thought the Reds were just the hot team. Yeah, it was disappointing that they got swept by the Reds, a team that isn't going to be anywhere. But sometimes it just happens. I mean, the same weekend, the Yankees got swept by the Rays. So I, you take it with a grain of salt in my eyes. So, you know, going into the All-Star break, they got one more game of the Tigers. They got the Reds next this coming weekend at home so they can kind of avenge that series they lost on the road. And then they go on the road to San Francisco and San Diego. Those are all winnable series. I feel like the hardest series out of those would definitely be the Giants. Um, but, you know, you can really end the first half on a really nice stretch here going the All-Star break. Uh, I mean, it could be a good a good thing for the Cubs that they're not really going to have any All-Stars except for John Lester and maybe Baez if, if he gets a really nice boost of fan votes here. Um, so a lot of those guys can get some rest. And then, they, you know, Mid late July and then all of August, this team always goes on a run. So uh, you got to feel good right now if you're a Cubs fan, and uh, especially with how we're playing right now. I think you brought up a lot of important things about the end of the sec, uh, the end of the first half, because yeah, I mean you play San Diego, you play the Giants, who it's going to be it's it's never easy to play the Giants in San Francisco. And you're playing the Reds at home. Now, the Reds are surging right now, but you got to beat them at home no matter what. So you have your right. one more against the Tigers, but you want to take advantage of that because, boy, when you open up the second half, you play four games, no, five games, five games against the Cardinals in four days. Then you oh, play yeah, four against the Diamondbacks. And then you go to St. Louis and play the Cardinals again. That is going to be a brutal stretch. Right. And, yeah, I know that the Cardinals, they're kind of – they're not – I don't understand them. Like, they're either 
you know, they all they either like I. win a few in a row. They win a few in a row, and then you think they're about to take off, but then they lose two or three in a row, and they they just kind of been hanging around. Like they're not they're up and they're not down. doing anything. Yeah, they're very up and down. A lot of that is because their offense is very inconsistent. Um, you know, Dexter Fowler's been in the news a lot the last day or two, and and he obviously hasn't lit lived up to expectations and I even Ozuna Ozuna had he's had some nice stretches but he I feel like he's a much player, better player than what he's been um you know Colton Wong he, his numbers aren't good and he's a guy that I feel like they rely on too because ever since they gave him that contract extension he hasn't been very good to be complete completely blunt with you in no. my opinion but I mean their only constant that they get on offense that I feel like uh, is is like consistent is Molina, which is crazy because the guy just just keeps defying age. Um, it's him, and then uh, what's his name, Jose Martinez, the their first first baseman, uh, at least offensively for Martinez. He's he's not very good defensively, but they they uh, other than that though, they just the the rest of them is very inconsistent. Look at these random guys come up from AAA with the weirdest names and they'll just hit walk off home runs. I don't I don't know understand that. But their their pitching is what keeps them in games most of for the most part. And uh that's something I like some of their young pitchers I kinda wish the Cubs had because, man, they'd be even more unstoppable if they had some of them. But, you know, uh I'll I'll take what the Cubs have right now over what the Cardinals have, so I can't complain. Yeah, you know, you were talking about the Cardinals. Like, I couldn't have said it better because when they win five in a row, you're like, well, here come the Cardinals. Then they lose five in a row, and you say, eh, looks like they're going to be selling. Looks like they're not very good. And then they'll rattle, rattle off five in a row again. They're very strange. Right. Week in, week out. One week, they look like contenders, true contenders. The other, they look complete crap. They look like complete crap. So, mm-hmm. You know, they have that big stretch against St. Louis coming up. You don't know which Cardinals team is going to show up. You know what I mean? The right. lucky thing right. for the Cubs is that during that five-game series, that includes a doubleheader on that Saturday, the 21st, then the Diamondbacks yep. for four. Within all that, to open it up, it's all at home. It's all at Wrigley Field. So that's kind of nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot to mention Tommy Pham, too. He's, he's by far their best player. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. That that opening series definitely out of the All Star break would be very big. I'll I'll actually be at the night game on that Saturday, the twenty first. So, uh, last time I was at a game, the, the, the uh, what it, the Cubs the Cubs won two to nothing off a uh, they scored two runs in the first thing. So I I have some good luck this time because the I'm two and two this year when I go to when I go to Cubs games. So I uh, I like to believe that I'm I'm not the the worst guy to go to a game. <laughs> no, so, that's that, we'll that's see. it's better to be 500 than sub 500 or no wins at all. Right, right. It, last year was bad for me. I went to like six games last year, and the Cubs lost like four or five out of the six that I went to. And then I went to a few games in Milwaukee. As I know well, that feeling they too won. well. <laughs> I, I, the first game I went to in Milwaukee, the Cubs won, and then the second game I went to, I went to in Milwaukee was like the last series the Brewers had with the Cubs last year in September, and it was like it was the one loss the Cubs had. It was like the walk off home run from Orlando Arcia, I think it was, and I was like, that was Wade Davis's one blown save. It was, it was, and 
I was just so mind blown at what had just happened. I was like, I can't believe he just blew the save. And I was at that game. I'm done going to games this year. And it was the last game I went to that season. Granted, it was, it was like mid-September and the season was almost over. But And I don't have the kind of money to afford a playoff ticket. But I was just like, man, I need to stop going to games. Yeah, it was funny. My dad, he was 0-6 at Wrigley Field in 2016. We bought a package <laughs> of uh, – those they they have those ticket packs at Wrigley Field, so like you yeah. buy one pack and you get like several games for it. And it was the Sunday mm-hmm. getaway pack. And every time they had a Sunday getaway game, they'd lose. So you yeah. know that was that was kind of frustrating. <laughs> and then I finally went to a game without my dad with friends. Both those games mm-hmm. they won, both against the Cardinals too. So that's kind of funny. Well, yeah, that's crazy considering the year that that happened and that team was so good <laughs> historically good. I, I mean they were the best right. club team ever really since 1906 yeah, yeah if you <laughs> if you if we want to count that that era because baseball was so different then <laughs> right um, and it was the most wins yeah. they ever had in a single season at Wrigley Field right so what are the yeah, odds in 26 right the odds are those odds those man in 2016 though I what did I I went to like two games. I went to the July 4th game, actually, and they played the Reds. They won, like, 16-5 to five or something. And I just I, – I just – I think I saw, like, four or five home runs from the Cubs, and it was a good – it was a good July 4th. And then I can't remember the other game I went to, but I, I they won both games I went to that year. But I only went to two, so uh, I didn't really, you know, assume that I was any luck or no luck to them at all. <laughs> You know what's really ironic is I've seen Tyler Chatwood shut out the Cubs twice as a member of the Rockies <laughs> in two years. Oh my god! Tyler Chatwood both times absolutely owned the Cubs. That's that's crazy because I wish he could just shut out a team for five innings. <laughs> yeah, why don't we uh, transition out. into pitching now that we're on it? Why don't we? Yeah, yeah, good. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, the pitching as of late hasn't been as strong. Now, keep in mind the Twins series was conditions where it's hard for any pitcher to pitch. Not only was it really, really hot, but it was just great hitters' conditions. I mean, balls were flying out of the park. Um, Though the Cubs didn't hit a lot of home runs outside the opener, you saw the Twins really get some of those balls into the wind, including Joe Mauer. I mean, he had a great series. but Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, so I we'd like that, to see the pitching what, be a little better, but right. I'm sorry, yeah. you were saying? I, I was getting ready to go into Joe Maurer and thought that maybe it was yeah. like 2009 or something. What, Seriously. What, when did he just start? When did he start hitting home runs? He's never really been a home run guy. I thought he was always he's always been like a contact guy. Just he, he had the one year when he was MVP in '09 when he had 28, yeah. but that was it. Yeah, and even then, like 28 home runs. I mean, I guess maybe I'm thinking. These days, like the last few years, it seems like 28 home runs isn't really that much, at least comparing to last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, the wind blowing out on a hot day at Wrigley, man, you can see some crazy stuff. So, uh, I'm not taking anything away from Joe Maurer. He's still a great player. You can maybe argue of him being a Hall of Famer at the end of it. Um, I don't. I've never really looked at his numbers on Fangraphs and compared them to any Hall of Fame catcher slash first baseman. Well, his but, batting um, batting stats are pretty dang good. You ready for his slash line? Yeah. yeah let's okay. Go here. So, he, 
he's not much of a power hitter. He's only hit more than uh, 13 home runs once, and that was in his MVP year when he hit 28. Um, otherwise, he's at 139 in 15 years, which isn't a whole lot. But his career average is 307. His career on base is 390. Ooh. That's, yeah. That's healthy. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Yeah. So since he doesn't hit a lot of home runs, I'm assuming his slugging isn't very high. His slugging is 441. Okay. That's a lot of doubles, worst. probably. Yeah, he probably hits a lot of doubles. I mean, uh, he, he hits in the, he's been hitting in the middle of the lineup his entire career. He, he, I would assume he has a lot of doubles. Uh, like I said, I mean, everyone knows this guy, that he's always been a good player. I just You just don't hear about him much, mainly because he plays for the Twins, and the Twins haven't been doing much for the last, what, five years, it feels like. And, and Maurer only had year, one home run on the year, so you know he doesn't hit home wow. runs anymore. Right. I know the Twins made the playoffs somehow last year in the in the wild card game, but I mean, other than that, though, they haven't really been doing much. So, I like I said, I haven't really been following Joe Maurer. Um, but, you know, I, the, the Twins as a whole, though, to see them play as well, they did, as well as they did offensively, it didn't really exactly surprise me because I just think they've been playing or underachieving all year. Um I thought they'd be much better than than what they have been. I, I really honestly thought the series was going to be tough for the Cubs this weekend, and I guess essentially it was. Especially, you know, I was I think out of the entire series, I was most afraid on Sunday when they had like the ten to one lead and they almost lost. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I think like I said earlier, I mean the, the Cubs. You know, they've been in so many situations, but they don't get rattled by anything. I, I don't I don't think, I, in my opinion, when I watch them, when you see the body language on the field, on when you watch on whether you're there or if you're on TV, like, they just don't get rattled. They, they've been through so much as a team, majority of them on the field, that it's just kind of like, you know, they just continue to play hard and try to, execute whether if you're a pitcher they're trying to execute the right pitches and you know they play such great defense I mean you know obviously you can't stop home runs but they they I mean they they've saved a lot of runs especially you know guys like Almora and Baez and, and Russell and you know and Hayward and like those guys defensively uh they're they're the top tier you saw some they, really yeah, nice I mean, plays by Javi this weekend even if they weren't like yeah. ESPN top 10, you still saw some nice plays. Yeah, he's some you know, people talk about, especially on Twitter, because he's like beloved on the internet. Like, yeah, he, he is, uh, he's just fun to watch. I, I don't know. It's just that what, what it is, he just has some niche about him that, that makes him fun to watch. He's definitely the kind of guy that if you, if you don't like the Cubs, you probably don't like him as much because no, know, not at all. Especially, Especially when they play the Dodgers, you see him and Puig going back and forth with each other. And Puig's like the kind of guy the same way. Like he's very like outspoken and very animated out there. And every time he does something, I'm like rolling my eyes. Especially last year in the playoff series where he, I don't remember what game it was, but he hit the home run and then he like, and it was at Wrigley and he like was came in the dugout and then like literally started his own curtain call. And I was just like, all right, I, I can't with this guy anymore. And then I'm 
I also always think back like, but I like Baez, and he's exactly the same way. I don't think he's ever going to start his own um, curtain call, but you know he's a very animated player. And like I said, if if you like the Cubs, you probably really like him. I just he can do some things sometimes that I could understand why some teams wouldn't like what he does, especially you know right when you got managers like Clint Hurdle, for example. <laughs> Right, exactly. No doubt. Um, a quick fun fact for you. I know we were talking about Joe Maurer. This is the last thing I'm going to say about Joe Maurer because I was curious. <laughs> the sample size isn't big. He's played in six games at Wrigley, three in 2009, uh-huh. and three this past weekend, batting 458 with an OPS of 1.232 in his career at Wrigley Field. <laughs> Well, 2009 yeah. was the MVP year, and then yep. you know this weekend he obviously had a great a great weekend. So, who knows? Maybe maybe he would have hit home, more home runs if he would have been a Cub. Hey, if he would have taken advantage of that uh, great wind in the summer, he probably could have because probably he he hit a really nice line drive home run, but I think it got a little boost from the wind. It probably would have been a double off the wall regardless, but. I think it got a last little bit of help, but you know, the wind helped the Cubs that Addison Russell grand slam. So that was nice. Uh, but yeah, oh, it's yeah. probably going to be at least I, my guess is that that was the last time we'll see Joe Maurer play at Wrigley field. Maybe not, but it very well could be. We'll just see how the scheduling goes. <laughs> yeah. Cause usually oh, the we way the rotation goes, it'll be another like, uh, three seasons before they come back. I got you. At least. I, I don't know how they usually does it, but I'll take your word for it there. Um, yeah, because we they rotate the divisions pitching. they play every year. Oh, okay. I got you. I, I knew we were getting into pitching, and I kind of went off and ventured off like on about bias, so I apologize for doing that. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Uh, we'll go back to pitching. Um was there any other thoughts you had on the pitching in general? Uh, because um, there, there's a lot to talk about, you know, that would good right. and bad. I mean, I guess the last couple starts from Montgomery haven't been very good. Of course, no. you know, the last start was against the Twins, and the, and we're ta- we keep talking about those those weather conditions, and you know, he kind of weathered out of that, out of the, some situations. Um, I Which still was think big. It, it, yeah, considering how like the bullpen continues to be taxed, and and I continuously continue to be impressed by these guys that the Cubs could call up from AAA. I you know I mean, except for Dylan Maples in his last appearance, uh, I and mean, he was so good yeah, in LA good. in those two innings. Yeah, I, which blows my mind. You know, you you go up against the Dodgers lineup, which you know at their best, could arguably be the best lineup in, in, in the NL. And then sure. the Twins, who are struggling, and then he gives up five runs. But, you know, that, that's baseball. But I, I truly believe that Maples, by the end of the year, you know, in September, I feel like he, he could be a big part of that, of that, of the back, of the back end of that bullpen and, the, and, and be part of high-leverage situations. He just has to find a way to be able to command his fastball consistently because he's got a wicked slider, and I think he could be, you know, 
he could he could be very good with Morrow and Edwards at Strope and Justin Wilson and you know a few other of those guys. I mean, um, I mean, I just think like guys like Randy Rosario have just like came up and have just been so good. And, you know, they've all yeah, had they're good. Fine, you can't. Yeah, I mean, like I said, they they've all had their moments where you know they've given up runs, whatever. You know, you you can't expect them all to go perfect the entire season. And um, so I I just think that you know these guys like Anthony Bass like yeah I was just gonna guy? bring him up him and um what's his name <sighs> I, I can't even remember their names because like I can't even picture their faces they just they, like I said they've had so many guys from AAA come up and just be productive and uh, it's huge when we look back at the at the end of the season and, and if the Cubs go make a deep October run and they're using their main bullpen guys and, you know, if they somehow win the world series and, and their bullpen plays a big factor in it, you got to look back at this time of the year and think, man, who knows what could have happened if these guys weren't good. So um, I just think that the bullpen is being, is coming up very, very huge for this Cubs team right now, considering, you know, Besides John Lester and sometimes Jose Quintana and, um, you know, Mike Montgomery was really good for a good month. And these last few starts, he's been kind of bad. But um, but besides besides John Lester and, and, like I said, sometimes Jose Quintana, like I'm kind of – I'm kind of – I'm pretty nervous about who's starting. At, and that's why the Cubs are really missing, missing Darvish right now. And then all all this and he news might coming be out about the year for all we know. It's it's hard to know what's yeah. going on right here. It gets more and more concerning. It really does, especially you know last week on this podcast we were talking about how oh we had a nice he had a good start at South Bend and you know things are looking up, but we're a little nervous because he wasn't exactly positive about his start in the press conference afterwards. Right afterwards, and then he goes to L.A. and he's talking to L.A. Times reporter and you're talking about how all this off the field stuff is just causing a distraction to be completely honest with you. But also at the same time, it's like, you know, when you're not, when you're hurt and you haven't performed to your ability yet, what else are you going to talk about a a player who signed a seven year, $120 million contract? So it's, it's a little bit of, you know, obviously it made sense that the LA times was going to make a story like this. Or at least try yeah, to find a story like they're gonna, this. They're going to pull that no matter what. Right. They're going to do something like that. It made complete sense, considering it's the only time the Cubs come to town anyway. And, you know, right. the Dodgers are, like, lacking a right-handed starter. So, there a lot of the people are like, well, why didn't Darvish want to come here? The thing was, in my, from my understanding, in the offseason, Darvish wanted to go back to L.A., I believe I was I read reports about that, but the only reason he didn't was because the the Dodgers didn't have the money to offer him because they they had too many other guys under contract or something. I can't remember. It's been so long. But so when I hear this story about how they or how he said he didn't want to go back there to begin with because he didn't want his kids to have to deal with the backlash because their father didn't do so well in Game Seven of the World Series. I mean, I. I'm just a little confused by it because that's just not what we heard in the off season. So I take yeah. it all with a grain of salt. That's, yeah, that's I don't I really know. I, 
really all I'm focused on is him getting healthy and pitching for the Cubs again. I think that's right. really that the main focus here. And I don't know when you hear that he's feeling pain, not discomfort, that really worries you. Oh yeah. I, I mean, in a sense, I'm kind of glad that it's the tricep and not like his shoulder or, or, you know, rotator cuff or whatever, you know, like, or elbow, especially. Um, right. You know, I, I guess that's the, the only positive I can take out of it. But, I mean, what, they, they gave him, like, the cortisone shot, and then they he can't do anything for, like, three to five days. So, like, I assume they're going to reevaluate him sometime this week and go from there. I assume maybe he'll go do another rehab start in South Bend, and we'll see how it goes. I, I guess I'm just a little disappointed that he hasn't been able to come back before the All-Star break because right now I, I guess I'm just not – I'm not too confident in that. And I would love for him to be able to come back before the All – or after – or before the All-Star break, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Say, it's not going to happen. I mean, the All-Star break is coming up, like, literally in two weeks. If he's feeling pain right now and not good, I – it's not happening. Right. I'm just – optimistically, hypothetically, say, like I said, if they're going to reevaluate him later this week, say either tomorrow or maybe Thursday on their off day. Um, and, you know, he, if he claims that he doesn't have any pain or something like that, then, then maybe, and, and maybe they would, it would be like against San Diego. I, if, if, if we're talking sure. complete optimism and like all, all good goes through, then okay. But yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I feel like he is most likely not going to come back until, you know, mid to late July. So um, it's unfortunate, you know, obviously, you know, it's kind of like the whole Hayward thing. We talk about, you know, these guys getting these big contracts and then either they perform or they don't perform. And, you know, it's him not being in the rotation is definitely, it's definitely shown uh, all season that it's not helping the starters. So, I, I think that, you know, once he can get back and if he can get back and pitch to form like we want to see and like we believe that we can see, I mean, then this team can really take off. And um, I, I know uh, I know that, that he wants to do that. I, I, you got to believe that he's he wants to come back and perform because, I mean, if he's as quote-unquote soft as many people are saying, I mean, you got to believe that he's, definitely motivated to come back and prove these people wrong. Cause I'm sure people don't want to, oh, I'm no sure doubt he's, he's tired. Of he's really, that. it's really hurting him right now. He wants to play. Right. And you know, I, it, it is what it is about this first half and hopefully we can just move on to the second half and hopefully he can help this team clinch the division. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we are just about out of time here on the Cubby's Crib podcast. Uh, Cody, I'd like to thank you again for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. It's it's always a good time talking, talking Cubs with you guys. Uh, you know, I'm always down. <laughs> right on, right on. We want to thank everybody for listening. As usual, be sure to subscribe to us. Be sure to check out Cubby'sCrib.com to read all of our content. And until next week, have a great day. We'll talk to you later.
Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A., equal housing lender, NMLS ID 399801. Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A., equal housing lender, NMLS ID 39981.